Welcome to How CMOs Commit, the Siegel and Gale podcast that explores how the world's top CMOs are building their brands and the professional commitments they're making as leaders. From the decisions facing CMOs to the commitments they're forging, these conversations are uniquely vulnerable and strategic. In this episode, Siegel and Gale's global CMO, Margaret Malloy, honors International Women's Day 2023 with a special edition of the Future of Branding Roundtable series. Recorded live in Dubai, Dublin, London, New York, and San Francisco, Margaret welcomes leading CMOs for in-depth conversations on brand building and inclusive storytelling. This is how CMOs commit. Good morning, Dublin. I am Margaret Malloy, the Global Chief Marketing Officer at Siegel & Gale. Some of you here may know me as the founder of Wearing Irish. Delighted to welcome some designers here in the room. But today we're here for a different topic. Siegel & Gale is a leading brand strategy, design and experience firm. We have offices across the world and honored to have some very esteemed clients here in Ireland. So, what are we here for? We're here for International Women's Day. And as we talked about, we are hosting this conversation in Dubai, in Dublin, London, New York, and San Francisco. In the spirit of inclusion, we are also hosting a virtual panel. Today, I would submit to you that the most potent, consistent, and relevant force shaping all of our lives, our brands. We are devoted as consumers to the brands we consume. As citizens, we spend most of our waking hours with our employer brand. All of us as marketing leaders in this room, therefore, have an enormous responsibility and influence through the marketing we create to shape culture and society. As business leaders, we also have a responsibility to achieve the financial imperatives and the growth goals of the brands entrusted to our care. How, therefore, do we reconcile these two goals? Well, today, I have convened an illustrious panel to untangle that conversation. International Women's Day is a day celebrating the economic, cultural, social, and political achievements of women. In my mind, it's also a day to reflect on progress and ambitions. This year's theme is Embrace Equity, and this panel will discuss how these brands are forging a more equitable world. Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming our panel. So I'm going to invite each of you to introduce yourselves, name and company, and if you would, answer this question. Why is embracing gender equity relevant to your brand? So how about we finish in one sentence? Embracing gender equity is relevant because maybe one word or phrase. And I'm going to start in the spirit of equity and invite Colin to be our first. So Colin, introduce yourself and we'll go right down the line, please. Good morning, Colin. 
Uh, good morning, and thank you, Margaret, for the uh, first baton, uh, so to speak. My name is uh, Colin Westcott-Pitt. I am the Global Chief Brand Officer for Glambia Performance Nutrition. I'm based here in Dublin, and I am revealing for the first time that Dublin is my hometown. I'm going to claim that one today, so <laughs> hopefully that, uh, that, um, that's believable. Um, the main brand that we um, that you probably know us for is is a brand called Optimum Nutrition, um, and we're very proud to be the number one sports nutrition brand in the world, um, and um, you know part of consumers' performance lives um, in, in many places. Um, the reason embracing equity, Margaret, is important. Um, as I tried to do it in one word, but failed miserably, so I will go with the phrase if that's okay. Is um, if we embrace equity as a brand, then more people will start or continue their fitness journey. And that has massive benefits across society, we think. So it's really as simple as that. Um, the more we do, the more people join, and the more fun they have. Niamh. Good morning. Delighted to be here, Margaret. Uh, my name is Niamh Bushnell. I'm the CMO of Soapbox Labs. Uh, I am from Cork but I live here in Dublin a long time, and both of my parents are Dubliners, so I'm never really accepted in Cork, even though I am in my middle age at this point. So anybody in Cork who's listening, help me out down there. My brand is still poor in Cork. Um, so Soapbox Labs is voice technology for kids. We're a voice AI company, so a deep tech company. Equity is in our DNA. We could not exist if we didn't develop equitable voice technology that understands every child's voice. So that's what we specialize in, kids. And we bring voice-enabled learning into classrooms that teachers can use for children. So the reason why uh, equity is important to us, it's because it's our major differentiator. And gender equity is really important to us because it builds trust in our brand uh, that we have so many powerful women building this AI and caring about kids as they build it. Great. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Uh, it's Stephen O'Kelly here. I'm Global Brand Director for this small brand you may have heard of called Guinness. Uh, and in fact, either half the people in this room have either worked for Diageo or alumni of Guinness or certainly seem to know more about Guinness than I do. Um, uh, I'm four months into a role, uh, but I've worked for Diageo uh, since I was a graduate, so about 20 years. Uh, I'm delighted to be here today. You know, uh, my hometown is Dublin, uh, but I've been very lucky to work uh, and live actually in many far-flung places all over the world, and we can talk about some of that. Um, in terms of the embracing kind of equity piece, um, I just see it as absolutely fundamental to the success of Guinness. Uh, we have like 42 million drinkers, give or take. Uh, we're in 130 countries around the world. So you can imagine, and these are people from all sorts of backgrounds, circumstances, male, female, you name it. Without embracing equity, it would be impossible for us to connect with them in an authentic um, and meaningful way and to sustain our business. So it's, it is fundamental uh, to, to Guinness. Good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Nicola O'Connell. I'm head of consumer development for Tier Lawn. So many of you might be wondering, what is Tier Lawn? I uh, haven't heard about that before. Um, Tier Lawn is our new identity um, for what was formerly known as Glambia Ireland. So we are a farmer-owned co-op. Um, we represent 6,000 farmers here in Ireland. Uh, but we have quite an extensive business, um, a consumer-branded business here in Ireland. We have a branded business in North America, parts of Asia. Uh, we also have food service business there. 
and a significant uh, ingredients business um, that's global as well. So uh, looking forward to talking a little bit more about that later. Um, and look, for me, I suppose, what, what does embracing gender equity mean um, in a phrase? Again, I don't think any of us are getting to the word, Margaret, on this one, unfortunately. Um, I would say it's simply, it's good for business and it's good for society and happy to expand on that a little bit more in this conversation. Hi, my name is Kiva Donnelly. I'm Chief Sustainability Officer for CIE Group. And uh, CIE Group is the largest uh, public transport operator in Ireland uh, with Bus Aaron, Irish Rail, um, CIE Tours, and uh, well, that, uh, that's um, private, but, uh, and um, uh, Dublin Bus. And we uh, have almost 11,000 employees and um, uh, carry um, uh, approximately 290 million customers per annum. So for us, um, uh, I would say that uh, embracing gender, uh, embracing equity is really important because for sustainability. And by that, I, um, we need to design and deliver a public transport system that meets the needs of all society. And typically, uh, there has been, it hasn't necessarily um, delivered uh, the needs of women and, and, the, and the more vulnerable. And so uh, embracing equity um, enables us to uh, design uh, through the lens of, of everybody in society. Good morning, everybody. I'm Gillian Culhane, Vice President of Corporate Communications at Aircap. Aircap is an aviation leasing company. We lease aircraft, engines, helicopters to about 300 customers in 80 countries around the world. Um, I'm based in Dublin and I'm originally from Dublin. Um, and embracing equity, what that means to us, um, my one word was enrich, but again, I have to uh, expand a little bit on that. Um, so Aircap values uh, the diversity of the background, social, cultural, and educational background of our people who enrich our workforce and who serve our customers um, in 80 countries around the world and better able to understand their needs. Thank you, Gillian. So let's go in turn now and share a concrete example of a branding program that's focused on equity. Talk to us about the program and its impact on the brand. I'm going to invite Colin, will you start us please at Glanbia Nutrition? Sure, thanks again. Um, yes, I mean, I guess I where I want to start a little bit with this is that we're very conscious of a brand of, of the category that we're in. And traditionally, that's been a category that's presented itself uh, as fairly male and testosterone sort of orientated. And we're, we're very conscious of that. So, you know, for quite a while, um, we've been looking at ways that we can sort of change that a little bit. And, um, and really, for us, a big focus has been on representation. And um, there's been a couple of, of ways that we do that. I mean, the first and most obvious one is that in our creative and advertising, we ensure that there is a really strong gender balance. And I think that was for us was sort of table stakes. We felt that that was really important thing that we do. And, and we do that across the world. And we have policy specifically um, to make sure that, that, that we do that. But I think as we started to think about how we could do more about that, we wanted to go much further than that. So that sort of brings itself to life in the um, roster of athletes that we have across the world. So we've actually just achieved in the UK uh, over 50% of our athlete roster is female. Um, we're really quite proud of that. So 
Um, we work with some incredibly inspiring athletes, people like Alice Ty in the UK, um, and uh, you know, and many others who you know just are really inspirational role models. And we try and tell their stories and what's really brought them to where they're at. So. That's the second level. And the third level, um, actually, a really good example for us in India at the moment where, um, you know, female athletes in India aren't, don't always get the recognition, the visibility that, that they perhaps should do. And the government are very supportive of, of this in India. And so we've been partnering with them for a number of years to you know, bring visibility to the athletes. So we actually are telling backstories about um, three female athletes in India at the moment. We just launched the program about a month ago. We've already racked up. 15 million views on on um, on channels so it's really a, a story that's beginning to be told in a really um, I think powerful and inspiring way and I think one that um, is very you know for us as a brand is a really important story that we tell. Colin what are your learnings from these programs and are there any anything you didn't expect any surprises from the initiatives? Yeah, there's so many learnings, Margaret, honestly. I mean, we're literally, every couple of months, we think, oh, we should have thought of that. We could have done this. We could have done this better. But I think there's, there's a few that sort of pop out. The first thing is that, I think it was mentioned just before, it was, you know, this is really important for us um, as a business because if we don't talk to all types of athletes, then we're missing, you know, a massive opportunity to make a difference and to and for people to, you know, get involved and engage with our brand. I think that's really important. I think the other thing for us internally was that everyone's incredibly excited about this and people feel really proud that we're doing something mm. as a brand against this. And it's been really incredible um, to see people's kind of light bulbs going off and realizing all of that that's kind of happening. So I think that's been a, a really nice learning for us. And the other one is you know, be authentic to the brand and the space that the brand is in and do rather than just talk. I mean, that, that, that's kind of something we really try and keep hold ourselves to all the way through. But, you know, there's probably seven or eight other things I could talk to, but those would be three that sort of pop up. Great, great. Thank you to Glambia Nutrition. So now, Niamh, let's talk about AI. One of the areas that oh dear. criticism, arguably, around the, the data models are so often derived from um, a lot of male contributions. So talk to us about an initiative you're doing and its impact. Thanks, Margaret. Yeah, so as I say, we do AI, voice AI for kids. So our only competitors in this market are Amazon, Microsoft, Apple, and Google. So young Irish company, um, 35 people based here in Dublin, you know, so we're, but the reason why we specialized in kids and the reason why we, we focus on equity is because children are very different. If any of you have children, I'm sure you do. You know, they, they, they're unpredictable, their behavior is different, their voices are different, their voices change as they grow. So they need voice technology that actually understands the way they behave, the way they speak, the way they grow. So that's why the technology is very specific to children's voices. But equity, if you're putting a voice technology into a classroom and it doesn't understand children who come, who maybe their mother tongue isn't English, Maybe they come from a disadvantaged background. Maybe they can't speak properly because they have some kind of speech challenges. Those children automatically are going to be disadvantaged in the classroom and they're going to be sent on learning journeys that are not the same, are not as supported as other children who are normal learners. 
uh, for different reasons. So for us to build voice technology that can be used in education, it absolutely had to understand every child's voice, no matter what their race, their ethnicity, their background, their learning potential, their age, etc. So built from the ground up since 2013. We just started commercializing back in 2019. So these things take, take a long time. But we were the first, we are the first company to, uh, to get a certification for prioritizing racial bias in, in, in AI in the world. So this small Irish company is the first. The other big companies aren't ready to go there yet because their voice technology and their AI has been designed by men and understands men better than women and understands white voices. 38% of Stanford research done in 2020 showed that understood white voices 38% better than uh, black voices, American black, uh, black voices, for example, and, and other voices as well. So it's a really, really big issue um, that we have put ourselves in the center of. And our campaign then is around heightening that equity, educational equity through AI that is equitable so that companies can feel that they can come to a brand like Soapbox Labs and get voice technology that can be put in any classroom that you could drop a pin in a classroom in New York of eight-year-olds and that this voice technology would understand every child in that classroom. So that's kind of the power behind what we do in equity. We just um, signed a deal. We, we have loads of big clients, McGraw-Hill, Imagine Learning, but just last week we signed officially, went public with a deal with Scholastic, mm -hmm. which, and, and why? Because of equity. Because they are an equitable brand and they want to be with an equitable voice technology company to, to voice enable their books and all of their technology. So um, just very briefly on gender equity, because I think that's the topic here. You know, we're very lucky at Soapbox. The founder, Dr. Patricia Scanlon, woman, the, uh, she's also Ireland's first AI ambassador. Our CTO, Dr. Amelia Kelly, um, she's our CTO and she's also uh, AI person of the year in Ireland. So we're kind of, we, we have these, powerful women at the top of the organization. There's loads of other women coming up. So the gender equity almost, for me as the chief marketing officer, is almost also to make sure that the men get a voice <laughs> in the company as well and on, get on those stages because everybody wants to hear from soapbox women. So every now and then I have to say, well, what about this guy or what about that guy? They're really great too. So it's a kind of a funny one and we, I never want to take for granted the, the great men that we have in the company and the younger women who are coming up. So that's my own unique challenge when it comes to the company brand. Wonderful. And it's so extraordinary to hear about the intergenerational component of this conversation. Thank you for that, Niamh. So... We've got an ally in the room here. You, you got to take the mic, oh, Stephen. Sure. <laughs> I thought you were going to ask her for the learnings. Um, <laughs> um, okay, cool. So yeah, changing beats uh, quite a bit. Uh, so Guinness, obviously, huge association with rugby. Uh, as you know, many, many years, big association with Six Nations, uh, in particular title sponsors. Um, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, but let's be honest, rugby, super masculine, testosterone, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And um, We've just been on a really interesting journey, actually, in terms of how we've activated against uh, that platform. So back in 2015, if I cast your mind seven, seven years uh, back uh, at this point, it was that the previous rugby broke up. Uh, and we had a business issue in that we weren't official title sponsors, Heineken were. Uh, but we were like, but we want to be super active uh, in that. And then the other kind of piece as well is we wanted to kind of really evolve like the point of view of both the brand, but also kind of like shape the future of the sport. 
Um, and therefore we had to get really, really creative and think outside the box so that we would basically, you know, drive a much deeper connection between Guinness and Rugby World Cup than the title sponsors. Uh, and it was Heineken and LucasAid was the other uh, big, big sponsor as well. Multi-million investment, etc. you know. And we basically came out with a piece of content uh, which was quite landmark for the brand. Uh, and some of you may remember it. it was definitely broadcast in Ireland, but it featured a guy called Garth Thomas, um, who is a Welsh rugby player um, at the time. Um, and uh, Garth, what makes him interesting is he came out uh, in 2009 as the first openly gay rugby player in the world. Can you imagine 2009? Um, and just so incredibly brave and, and bold. Um, and we decided we were gonna make an ad about him and kind of this, his strength of character and coming out to his team, et cetera. Like it was just so, so huge for him, you know, and just such an incredible story, you know, and an important story, I think, to tell, you know, for, for lots of uh, people who are LGBTQIA and are amazing athletes and support, but feel afraid to come out. And I remember going into our MD's office, uh, our Europe president at the time and going, check out this script, you know, and I was, I was nervous, you know, I was worried, you know, because we'd really never done anything like that before on Guinness. It was rugby, etc. Uh, and of course, we have uh, the most amazing Euro president in the form of John Kennedy, who some of you will, will know around the corner from Shona. Um, and he was just amazing, you know, uh, and it's part of the learning piece, which is he was just he wasn't just open to it. He was so excited. You know, he's like, we got to do this. Um, and we did, you know, um, and we did some other pieces of breakthrough content as well, which are very much kind of like just different types of heroes, you know, um, within kind of like these amazing rugby teams. And it worked incredibly well, you know, so it really kind of changed, I think, the rules of the game, no pun intended, um, from an inclusivity and diversity point of view. Uh, and I'll talk about gender in a second as well, but we also became the most associated brand with Rugby World Cup beating Heineken um, and LucasAid. Uh, and I think there's something really interesting there is that, you know, embracing equity is good for business as well as good for society. And if you tick those two boxes, that's a great job done. Uh, and I'm delighted with that. And then if I roll on down to 2019, so we noticed that I think it's 4% about of, of coverage for female sports, sorry, 4% of, of athletic coverage is for female sports, right? Which is kind of shocking, you know, and also it's underinvested, uh, hard to get sponsorship, et cetera, et cetera. So again, we decided that we would um, sponsor the women's Six Nations. Uh, in 2019, so we're the, we were the first official sponsor to get in there to support them. Um, and it, it really transformed the kind of the profile of that sport, you know, especially having a brand uh, like Guinness and the backing of Guinness, you know, to, to, to get in there and, and stand for them. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I can, again, like small steps can make a huge difference. Simple things like making sure they had Wikipedia profiles. Uh, uh, working with our partners like, you know, Twitter, Facebook to raise their profiles, et cetera, et cetera, uh, really transformed their profile, you know, uh, and made a huge, huge difference. And again, these are not big sort of mad gestures, you know, uh, you know, there's there's small things, but it made a huge difference. And, and again, impacts kind of on the brands, you know, Guinness was the most loved brand in rugby uh, when we um, researched in Ireland. So, um, so yeah, Guinness and rugby and the journey, I think is a really, really strong um, example. Um, and if I was to take learnings from us, I think number one, 
good for business, good for society, that can work. And actually, when you put the two of them together, it's sort of exponential almost, you know, so that those incredible results, like, and the benefit to the brand as well as to the people are there. I think also we can be more bold and brave, you know, than necessarily we might think, you know, when we're in those meetings or looking at those scripts or making those plans. I think consumers are much more open to this than necessarily we are, you know, so I think that's a really big learning. Yeah, probably those two. Okay, thank you, Stephen. So Nicola, at Tierlan. Thanks, Margaret and Stephen. <clears throat> Look, a lot of what's being said is, is resonating with me and, and, and um, very, I suppose, um, on subject for what I'm going to talk about as well. And, and there's, there's obviously a trend emerging here around sport um, and a way that we, as brand owners, can, can tackle representation within that arena. My example is there as well, um, and it actually references uh, Avonmore protein milk. Um, which has been a really successful product for us over the last number of years. It was originally launched in 2014. And at the time, uh, the target um, with that launch was a male target. So it was um, targeting boys um, uh, 16 to 24. Um, so just when they stopped drinking milk, uh, we don't want to lose them. So we said, yep, yeah, let's, let's put some protein in there and we're going to get these guys back in. And, and sure enough, it did work. Um, so targeting boys interested in sports, interested in, in team sports, um, athletes, etc. And for the first year or two, the brand was going well. Everything was going good. We had some really interesting ambassadors and influencers that we brought on board. But we realized that we were missing an opportunity here um, because there was a whole groundswell happening around female sports at the same time. Um, and we realized that we were out of touch with where the consumer base was. So we pivoted um, and decided that we were going after a 50-50 split on gender for Target. Um, we changed up our campaign and communications quite a bit, uh, made sure that we had equivalents happening um, around brand ambassadors, around spokespeople, did some really interesting things from a campaign perspective. And what's interesting is that we've had the same marketing team um, led by a guy actually, um, who's been working on this from the launch. And he's really sort of, done a fantastic job in, in, in pivoting and really staying close and true to what we want to do with this brand and who we're targeting. Um, the latest campaign is called the Crossover Series. And what he's done is brought in, basically um, created a couple of films, a couple of spots, where we've brought in uh, a female athlete, a male athlete, and then paired them up within these spots and they actually each have a go at each other's game. Uh, and it's worked out really, really well. It's, it's a fantastic series. Um, in one of them, we have uh, Reese McLenahan, who is, as you know, a gymnast, um, with Lucy Mulhall, a rugby player. And then another one, we have Chloe um, oh, Mustaki. I always forget her name. Chloe Mustaki, who's a soccer player um, with Owen Murphy, a Kenny Hurler. So really, really nice content um, that's worked incredibly well. Um, the brand performance speaks for itself. I mean, we started out, we had a consumer base um, from a usage perspective of 2080 female male. That's now shifted to 4060. Um, and we are, the latest 52 week data has us at plus 25% outperformance on the liquid milk category. So um, it continues to grow from strength to strength. It's, it's a really great brand. So that's been um, a success story for us. Um, and look, none of this surprises me from a learnings perspective. And, and again, Stephen said something very similar. I think consumers, customers, are there already to, and look, I, I don't want to sort of overplay that either, but I think in many categories, consumers and customers are there already. And, and actually we're playing catch up as brand owners. 
politically, we're playing catch up. We know that. Um, mm-hmm. From a corporate perspective, we're playing catch up as well. I mean, there was a lot of a lot of brave brands did really interesting things 20 years ago. And and one that always really struck me was the campaign for Real Beauty by Dove. What an incredible campaign that was. That still is an amazing campaign, actually. Um, and, and it's amazing how over 20 years they've managed to evolve that campaign to stay super relevant all the time. Um, but those were really brave things that were done mm-hmm. by the likes of Unilever back then. I think now we are more playing catch up. And, and look, it's great. I mean, we're... we're a much more in a much more evolved position when it comes to society. We're now sitting in meetings as recently as last week, looking at innovation opportunities and thinking about um, talking about food products that we might bring to market um, that will overtly target menopause symptoms. Like I think three years ago, we wouldn't have even had that conversation or somebody would have said, no, we really can't go there. You know, it's not kind of something that we should do. So I think things have moved on considerably. Yeah. The last thing I'd say is um, I'm very excited um, with us as a new corporate identity with Tier Lawn, uh, farmer-owned co-op, as I've said, 6,000 farmers. And, and look, the board, uh, we're joined by Brendan Hayes here today, our vice chairman, um, who's leading out on a lot of really um, interesting uh, initiatives at the moment around um, gender diversity, actually, um, within our, our corporate governance structure. Um, And we have a lot of work to do there. And and luckily, a lot of work is happening. Um, Of the 6,000 farmers, I mean, when we think of a farmer profile here, we tend to think of a middle-aged man. And that's who ends up getting reflected a lot, you know, whether it's in communications or or just how they're represented, you know, across the board. So we have a lot of work to do because we want to be that co-op of the future. We want to be that progressive co-op that we know is meaningful and important to our customers, our international customers, um, as well as our consumers. You know, consumers want to buy products that have um, a diversity agenda behind them. And some people might think, is that true really? But actually it is. A lot of the focus groups that we run and places like the States and and Asia, um, those are things that really resonate. So I think if we are going to be a co-op of the future, if we're going to be progressive, then um, that gender balance really needs to be looked at and checked within um, our farmer governance structure. And luckily, a lot is happening in that area. We're about to launch a really interesting program, which is an education and training program targeting our uh, young women and young farmers to ensure that we have that representation coming through from a succession perspective um, across the board, and that's going to launch. It's um, called Seeding Success this summer. So looking forward to that. Well, thank you for sharing the journey, uh, Nicola. Now, Kiva, transportation, very different category. Yeah, transportation, predominantly uh, and traditionally very male-dominated sector. Um, So, you know, back to my original um, uh, uh, word in terms of embracing equity, it's sustainability. And for us, we are um, have been given uh, as a company um, and as a group a, a significant challenge around um, delivering on Ireland's uh, climate targets. So we have a sectoral budget of uh, to reduce carbon uh, or uh, GHG emissions by 50% uh, by 2030, and that is no small task. And how do you do that? It's not just about electric uh, vehicles; it's about um, uh, increasing public transport use by 
130% journeys on um, uh, by 2025. Um, and so what that means really is that we need to scale up and, and to do that, we need to bring um, more female um, uh, drivers, workers, um, uh, apprentice um, technicians into our company and particularly to design a public transport system through the eyes of, um, of um, uh, both equal gender, essentially. So it was really interesting um, research um, done by the uh, TII um, uh, a number of years ago, which, which showed that actually 95% um, of uh, women, in certainly in Dublin, see that, um, uh, see that the car is an absolute necessity and over 80% outside of Dublin. And one in three journeys are caring journeys. And so if we are to really create modal shift, we need to uh, design a public transport system that, that um, meets the needs of, uh, of that cohort, which is, which is women and those, those needs, and particularly to create an environment that is safe. So within, within our operating companies particularly, they have been on a, um, a, a campaign to, to get more female drivers particularly and more apprentices and more um, technicians into the company. So in terms of that marketing-led initiative that we've had over the last number of years, it's really been about um, a huge campaign to break down uh, the barriers in terms of what has been traditionally a, a very male-dominated um, uh, choice of employment. You will always see your bus driver being a male in, in the past and wouldn't have been a possibility for, uh, for women to take up that role. Um, and so campaigns were, were done through um, social media, through um, uh, traditionally, particularly radio, where uh, women tend to use a lot to have open days where we would uh, uh, attract and, and um, um, uh, invite uh, female, uh, female or women to actually try driving a bus. And by all accounts, it was enormously successful. Like on one open day with over a thousand applicants, all came for a bit of fun and actually at the end of the day signed up. Uh, so, um, uh, so, you know, the, this phenomenon of, um, you know, transport and public transport being traditionally male is a global phenomenon. Phenomenon, and we have very low numbers in terms of um, drivers, uh, female drivers across the across the group. You know, it could be you know, so anywhere between three percent, five percent. And what we found through those oh, those series of open days is that um, there was a, certainly in Dublin bus an increase of seventy two percent by uh, um, of uh, um, uh, employeeship um, uh, or increase of. Uh, um, of female drivers uh, through those campaigns. So it does work where we are, uh, you know, very much at, at, um, um, at the start of, of um, that, uh, that journey in terms of um, bringing on uh, female uh, drivers, but also um, um, non-nationals and, and, um, and uh, 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 into our employee base. But it is, for us, it's a, it's a critical commercial imperative because we need to scale up in terms of um, delivering our, uh, our, our services and growing our services. So again, back to, you know, it, it definitely um, uh, delivers on our bottom line and, and most certainly is uh, something 
which which makes complete sense from from our point of view. And one, th you know, it's it's probably very important to um, not just um, uh, do that large, uh, you know, marketing campaign to to make uh, our group a. a um, an employer of choice, but it is also uh, vitally important, and there are many programs to sustain and support uh, women through the organisation and through their career progression, through you know particularly around um, uh, focused uh, learning support and and mentorship, and uh, through each stage of their career development. So they're they're within our operating companies. There there's very much a um, a, a program of uh, of talent developing talent right from uh, uh, through each stage of their careers, and that's something the which has been uh, worked on and and is being delivered um, uh, throughout our companies. The one one thing I will say is that you know again they they're you know in terms of you know developing and delivering on sustainability. Um, our our um, operating companies also have um, been tapping into um, trying to encourage young girls um, and um, uh, to join up through apprenticeships. So, you know, they have, again, these open days where they would come hold a drill, you know, put on the boots, the hat, whatever, uh, to, to actually break down those, uh, you know, the, those barriers and those stereotypes and actually earn and learn at the same time and, and really encourage them in. And very often those um, uh, um, uh, accessing those um, apprenticeships or recruiting from uh, to those apprenticeships are in disadvantaged areas and through disadvantaged schools. And we, we've been targeting at those um, at an early school level. So, so really in terms of uh, driving equity and driving sustainability, we would see that it is vitally important to, to our future. Excellent, thanks. And so visible as well in society, your, your colleagues in the transportation field. Thank you for the story. It's also a really important point that we sometimes may forget that the hiring is just the beginning of the journey. That's the representation. But to get to the inclusion requires all the programs that you've articulated there, Kiva. So thank you for that. And finally, airline leasing. Very different category, Gillian. Yes, very much so. And I guess similar to Quiva, very much male dominated um, and particularly in aircraft leasing. Um, so we have about 650 employees, about half are female, but underrepresented um, in the areas of engineering and um, technical. And that's our biggest department um, at Aircap. Um, and so to advance um, gender equity, we've embarked on a number of educational initiatives. Um, and again, to create a pipeline of future talent for the industry. Um, and I guess some of those, um, I'll maybe give you some examples of those initiatives that we have done. Um, so we have a program with the University of Limerick. Um, it's the first women in aviation program of its type. It's in aeronautical engineering. And we provide scholarships uh, to a number of students each year. And as part of the scholarship program, they come to our office in Shannon and they do internships there. Um, and they also receive a bursary and we have guest lectures, et cetera. Um, and so that program has been very successful for us. Um, we also have 
a program with Smurfit uh, Business School in um, UCD. Um, that's a master's in aviation finance. And again, through that program, we do an internship. We started that program in 2015. And a lot of those students who've come through that program have actually gone on to have careers at Aircap as well. Um, more globally, we have a program with uh, Chulalongkorn University in Thailand. Um, again, we offer 10 scholarships um, to students of the um, aerospace engineering program. So Chulalongkorn is a world-class leader in mm -hmm. that area. And many of those students um, come to our office in Singapore. Um, they work with our technical and engineering team there. Um, and we also support their research projects. We also, at second level, we have a transition year um, academy that we do in association with the Shannon um, Museum. And uh, again, students uh, come to our office for a week. They get to experience uh, firsthand um, you know, what it's like to work there. They get interdepartmental um, briefings, et cetera. Um, and again, quite successful. And then I guess um, uh, in terms of our social outreach, we have a program with Concern Worldwide. It's the Change Program. It's in Ethiopia, in the Hamara region, northern Ethiopia. And it's um, girls between the ages of, it's reintroducing girls between the ages of 15 and 19 back into education. Um, these are vulnerable girls who are quite marginalized in society and it's numeracy and literally, literacy skills and also seed money to develop their own um, sustainable careers. So I guess from our point of view, it's very much developing this pipeline of future mm -hmm. talent. Extraordinary stories, and we were rather intentional in the selection of the panel. You'll see many are from industries that may have traditionally been very male-dominated or categories that target males. So thank you all for sharing those stories. I'm now going to switch gears briefly and have maybe a little bit of fun with it, but also acknowledge that these are difficult. These are gnarly problems. Solving for inclusion is tricky, it's complicated. Our business goals are complicated and we live in a very complex time, dynamic from a macroeconomic perspective, from a regulatory perspective, and all of us from different parts of the world, certainly where I live in New York and America, cultural wars, and so many things happening in society that can overwhelm us, that can be very complex. Well, at Siegel and Gale, we truly believe in simplicity. And we believe that through accessing simplicity, we cut to the core of an issue and therefore can come up with innovative solutions. Now, I've been doing this job or a version of it for over a decade. And one of the things I've learned is for many people, simplicity can actually be a fairly abstract concept. So therefore, here in Dublin, I've invited our illustrious panelists to each bring one physical object to the breakfast and tell us why that object represents simplicity to them. Some people might say a little bit unimaginative on my part um, coming from the industry that I do. But I have to say, even if I wasn't working in this industry, um, I've, I've always been um, a big milk drinker. Um, and I just love the simplicity of milk. A glass of milk, it's complete nutrition. It's all your macronutrients just in one little glass. If you want some extras, you can always get super milk, vitamin D added in there as well, um, and your micronutrients as well. So it's so simple. It's so close to the source. You know, it's, it's such a light touch product. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, for me, it's always something that that's really added up to simplicity. And I think in the days that we're in with um, what consumers want, they want transparency, they want traceability, they want short supply chains, they want clean labels and, and nothing does a job for that as easily as this. And we know because we work on other products as well. We have um, 1,100 grain um, farmers that we represent. So we do dairy alternatives as well. And it's challenging with dairy alternatives to actually match the simplicity um, in terms of clean label and transparency that this provides. Okay. Cheers to a glass of milk. Kiva, what did you bring? So I chose a pen. So probably also not, well, not very imaginative, but a pen is something which is accessible to every gender, every, um, 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 every nationality, global, um, every country, um, and, um, and every life stage. And so I, uh, this, uh, the pen represents simplicity, um, particularly around its access. And with a pen, you can write your future. Beautiful. Gillian. So I chose an espresso pod. Um, and so for me, um, I, it represents, it embodies the simplicity of the brand. I like how sleek the brand is. Um, I also, it's consistent in terms of its experience. Um, I also like the policies in terms of what they stand for and their initiatives around sustainability and biodiversity and they support women, um, you know, who farm the coffee, etc. cetera. Um, so for me, it's an espresso. Stephen, what is that contraption? <laughs> <laughs> it's a rhino, obviously. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so the reason why I picked this is there's kind of like two, two aspects. Like uh, <clears throat> one is directly the object, uh, which is, as you can see, it's, it's a rhino. Um, and uh, I was gifted it uh, when we were shooting uh, this out called Suppers uh, that you may have heard of uh, on Guinness. I think 2015, yeah, I'm right. Uh, and we shot that actually in Durban uh, and we were in townships for, for the entire week. Um, and number one, like as part of invading their space for a week with cameras and people running all over their, their home, uh, we, we dug 10 boreholes, you know, for, for their village, uh, which still are kind of giving them fresh kind of clean drinking water today. But they also gifted these to us, right? Uh, so obviously it has kind of like quite sentimental kind of uh, uh, memories for me. But if you look at it, like, yes, it's a rhino. It's quite a beautiful little object. Um, it's really pretty. But actually it's made out of like uh, pieces of steel, you know, frames. You may have seen some of this work before, but they're incredibly intri intricate. And there must be like a thousand beads, you know, to make up this beautiful object. And uh, I liked it because it reminded me kind of of a quote uh, from Steve Jobs, uh, where he kind of said, and he's, I guess, the king, you know, of um, simplification, right? Uh, but he said, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. It takes a lot of uh, hard work to make something simple. Uh, to be truly simple, you have to go really deep. I really liked that. Um, you know, and you need to like understand the essence of the product to get rid of the stuff not necessary. Uh, I just I just thought that was really interesting because it's not like simplistic, you know, it's not, you know, being, yeah, overly simplifying things. Like you have to work really hard to make things uh, simple. But when you get there, uh, it's amazing. And again, when I, the tangent back to making the ads up hers is a beautiful ad. But when I think of all the planning and the thinking 
and getting passports for eight uh, people from uh, another country into South Africa, et cetera, et cetera, and all the different agencies who came together to kind of make that happen. And we ended up with a beautiful piece of copy, which is, I think, still well remembered uh, to this day. So there you go. That's my rhino. <laughs> Fantastic. And a lovely analysis. And you're so right, Stephen. I mean, this comes up all the time. It's not about being reductive. Yeah. It's about getting to the essence and the heart of an issue. And for the designers in the room, I feel I owe you a quote. Since Stephen's drawing from Steve Jobs in tech, Coco Chanel said, simplicity is the touchstone of true elegance. And I think that's definitely reflected in the examples here. Niamh, I'm going to invite you to tell us what object you brought at the risk of revealing my age. I, uh, I vaguely recognize the packaging. <laughs> you, you're in my age both. Um, I brought my, um, my menopause patch, um, the box that they come in. Uh, so I just, when you think of simplicity, you know, when you get to a certain age and it's a different age for all women, um, it's menopause is something, it's a reality. And it's something to embrace as one of the phases of your life. And for me, it took me a while to think about it that simply and straightforwardly and to not try and beat it like I try and attack other challenges in my life and to just understand that there was something out there that could help me called HRT and that I didn't have to deal with the hot flashes and the memory fog and all the other stuff that comes with menopause and try something. And the simplest thing in the world is to take a step forward and to try something. And I started trying this and it really works for me. And uh, that made my life so much simpler. That simple thinking to step forward to try HRT and uh, it has really made my life much simpler. And uh, I'm very appreciative of it and I recommend anybody to try it. Thank you for sharing that deeply personal story, Niamh. So Colin, the final object, no pressure. No. Um Inside here is a pair of running shoes. I um, shamelessly have put them in a branded bag to, <laughs> to save the rest of my panellists an unfortunate experience. But um, we have a very simple um, thing that we ask all of our consumers to consider on our Optimum Nutrition brand, which is there's more of you in you. And um, we love the consideration because it's incredibly simple and it applies to everyone wherever you are in the world whatever your situation there's more of you in you and you know for me you know sometimes on a cold and wet dreary dark sort of day I sort of think you know what there's another couple of miles in me I can get out there and run a little bit and um, you know for us that when we heard that line it was just so simple it was it, it's it meant so much to you know people we put it in front of and I think for us um, that was just made all of this noise around what are you going to do with your life and health and well, all this. It was just made it really simple. There's more of you and you. Wonderful. Well, thank you all for the objects. I'm now going to go to the final question. So one of the things that I've observed, particularly as a student of organizations and organizational behavior and outcomes, that largely brands, companies, even people, we're a product of our commitments. If we think about that, what we commit to essentially is what we become. So starting with Nicola, I'm going to invite you very briefly to share with us 
what is your organization's <laughs> commitment, commitment to gender equity, acknowledging that embracing gender equity is the theme of International Women's Day 2023. So very briefly, what is your commitment? And just as important, how will you measure success? Yeah, so look, I mean, we've um, uh, done a lot around this area, I would say, as a business over the last couple of years. Um, and there was lots to do because like many other people in the room, um, we are very male dominated. Um, but we're moving that on considerably even over the last couple of years. So number one, we launched our Living Proof Sustainability Strategy in the summer of 21. Uh, and a key pillar within that is um, obviously D&I. So we have committed to a 50-50 split on leadership um, within our business by 2030. Uh, and I think we've already made very good gains in that area. And um, we just recently appointed a chief ESG officer, um, a lady to our executive leadership team. So that's great. Um, we've also just announced that um, senior leadership are now being bonused. Uh, so they have an, a specific DNI objective um, that they are going to be measured against uh, from a bonus payout perspective. Um, there's a number of other initiatives uh, at play within the business. So there's a lot happening around our values and DNI is really stitched into all of the new values that we've worked through with you guys. Um, and uh, we have invested a lot in coaching um, over the last couple of years. And as many of you know, who, who've been through um, coaching from a leadership development program perspective, there really is a big sort of DNI enablement part um, within that program, which is, um, I think we've been finding very successful. And lastly, I would say, um, just when it comes to graduate programs, a lot of emphasis there. Um, I think about 27% of engineer graduates come from um, the female side of the house, and we underrepresent that quite a bit at the moment. So we do have a big focus now on, on taking in um, more uh, female intake yeah. for graduate program. And highly measurable, those metrics. You count the Absolutely. heads. Absolutely, yeah. You're essentially head counting. Uh, Stephen at Guinness, please. What is your commitment to embracing gender equity? Yeah, so I think there's a wider Diageo 2030 uh, framework, which is called um, uh, Society 2030. You know, uh, so there's there's a massive commitment at a total organizational uh, level, multi-market, uh, which we take obviously very, very seriously. And that's both covering kind of both social um, progress, but also sustainability. So that's kind of the wider organization piece. Uh, and there's just so much in there we could spend just the hour kind of talking about that. But if I kind of give just two examples, which are a little bit more close to, to Guinness, I guess. So obviously creativity um, is, is the lifeblood kind of, of, of the brand. Um, and from a commitment point of view, uh, this is our fourth year to uh, to sponsor and partner with um, a program called um, Creative Equals uh, Return. Uh, which basically is all about um, enabling, assisting, coaching um, female creatives um, who have been out of kind of the creative industry for whatever reason, you know, uh, on career break, you know, uh, family leave, et cetera, et cetera, or who are just struggling to get back in, you know, to, to find kind of opportunities in the creative industry. Um, and in terms of measurement, so we've put 160 um, people through that program um, so far. Um, and of that, the amazing statistic is 85% have secured not just good employment, but like amazing uh, employment. And then one other bit, if I may, so I know to, want to keep it brief, uh, but our commitment as well to getting to gender equality within brewing. Uh, so obviously we're a big brewer. 
very male-dominated traditionally, uh, but there was a big decision uh, probably 10 years ago, I would say, to really shift uh, the balance. Uh, and it takes time, you know, because to get that sort of resource in, it needs to almost start like at college level, you know, so that people are getting the right skills, getting the right training, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm delighted to say that we're not there yet. It's not 50-50, but it's 30%, so one-third of our brewers are female. And today we have a very special um, senior brewer, actually, that I invited as a guest, uh, which is um, um, Ashling. Um, stand up, Ashling, say hi. <laughs> And just to say what Ashling has achieved, so you may have heard of this innovation from Guinness called 0.0. Ashling is the creator of 0.0. Okay, Niamh, please. Uh, as I've mentioned earlier, I said Box Labs is all about equity and equity in, in understanding children's voices. Um, so we have committed to that and are working really closely with an organization in the States called EdTech, the EdTech Equity Project. Uh, so one of our commitments is to continue to work with them and to really keep advocating for equity and voice technology, which is just such a, such a need because AI and voice AI is becoming so pervasive in everything you do you're using your voice to drive technology, and if that equity doesn't exist in technology, then people are automatically disadvantaged of all kinds, uh, race, gender, et cetera. So really continuing to drive that advocacy with the EdTech Equity Project and others is a big part. When it comes to gender equity in the company, again, as I was saying, you know, I'm so lucky and, and you know, we never take it for granted that we have a founder who is a, a woman, Dr. Patricia Scanlon, uh, and our CTO as well, Dr. Amelia Kelly. One of my jobs and one of my commitments will be to promote the other women who are building our technology, modeling our AI, and making sure that it's accurate. And there are many other women who are computational linguists, engineers, scientists in the company. And then also to give the men who surround them whether they're on the business side or on the engineering team, to give them a place uh, on the platform to talk about voice technology for kids, to talk about Soapbox Labs and to talk about equity as well, because it's a conversation for us all to have together. Thanks, Niamh. Colin. Um, yeah, first off, Ashlyn, great job. It's fantastic. <laughs> I've been uh, enjoying your uh, fruits of your work. Um, recently um we're doing hopefully quite a few things but i think the, you know i can talk a bit about them but we're always trying to do more and we're very conscious that we need to do more all the time but some of the things that that, that we've sort of looked at are senior managers are compensated on um female representation in the business we um we are increasing dramatically our board representation um we have education programs that all the senior leaders go through learning about um, unconscious bias and, and gender equality um, we have an ERG and employee resource group for, for women. There's over 400 members now, men and women in that, and that's been an incredible support network for everybody. It's only two or three years old now, but you know we're just seeing the benefits of that and the different places that that can go as well. Um, we have a new smart working policy, which has been really helpful. Lots of really great, great feedback on that. And I think the final thing is that our group, group um, CEO is, 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 is a woman. And I know this to be very important personally, because when I was considering coming to Glambia, my daughter at the time, who was 10 years old, I said to her, we said to her, um, what do you think I should do? I've got this job. And she goes, yeah, you should take it. I said, okay, why? 
Uh, well, the person who runs the company is a woman, Daddy. So that was a personal reason. <laughs> and it was really, really great to hear. So um, lots of things, um, but more to do. Thanks for that. Kiva, please. Your commitment to gender equity at CIE Group. So um, at CIE Group, actually, we, we um, at uh, senior levels, we're doing very well. And um, uh, and first and foremost to say we have Fiona Ross, our, our chairperson, who's the chair of the organisation. And uh, Lorcan O'Connor, our, our CEO, has uh, brought on a, um, a senior leadership team that is um, uh, fully balanced. And... Um, and I would say that, you know, as a group, we have committed to the Sustainable Development Goals and in particular Goal 5, um, uh, which is uh, gender equity um, and um, sustainable cities and, and communities is uh, one that we fully support and, and uh, drives a lot of our policy making and climate action. And so we have committed, uh, no doubt, obviously, to, um, to tackle... Uh, uh, emissions and and uh, drive modal shift uh, through our services, but also um, in in terms of addressing the gender balance, uh, really more at the technical and um, and at the uh, um, operational side of our business. And uh, I mentioned some of those programs, and um, also throughout our company, we've also committed to really working together. So power numbers, power scale uh, of, of the scale of the group to bring more females and also um, uh, different ethnicities into, uh, into the group in terms of uh, to represent um, all uh, sections of society in our workforce. And uh, I think we're very proud of the progress that has been made, particularly on uh, female bus drivers but and apprentices. But, but also we now have over 80 uh, different nationalities within, um, uh, within our operating companies, which is we're hugely proud of. So our commitment is to um, also uh, support uh, uh, particularly females right through their development as said so at every stage of their mm -hmm. their career and their um at their uh, talent development thank you and finally Gillian at aircap yeah so i guess we're on a journey um at the moment um so we issued our first gender pay gap report um earlier or at the end of last year and um in terms of uh, representation um, at senior level, that's what uh, came through the report. So we've 19 um, leaders on our management committee and just one female. Um, at board, we do a bit better. We have 30% female representation. So um, I guess, as I say, we're on a bit of a journey. We launched a DNI um, survey late last year, and the results of that have been collated. Um, we're going to develop a framework um, from that and put strategy behind it. And together with that, we're working with Siegel and Gail as well, Patrick and Maddie, um, on a new employer brand. So the culture and values and all of that, um, <clears throat> they'll all marry together to create both. Um, so I guess from in terms of my commitment, um, I chair the CSR committee at Aircap. And so a lot of the diversity and, and social um, uh, initiatives come through. So um, I'll ensure that they're, uh, they're followed through. Excellent. Well, thank you so very much. What broad-ranging commitments. I want to, in thanking our panel and in thanking all of you, share my reflections on what I heard here today. Our conversation traversed many areas. Surprising, surpri lots of surprise, but most of all, 
I'm struck by what I would characterize as the multifaceted impact of the branding and marketing programs the leaders here are embracing. We're hearing about programs that at once address representation, but are also mindful of inclusion. That think about how the brand story tells and communicates in the market and how the brand exists in the internal organizations as well. I'm reminded as I think about storytelling of the Irish author, broadcaster, and scholar, Frank Delaney, who says, storytelling beneath its broad surface should always work hard to say more than it appears. And that strikes me as very relevant in listening to the conversations, be it whether the speakers are addressing the power of simplicity or the power of their communications. It's very clear that beneath that surface, there's a lot of hard work, there's a lot of impact. So I applaud you for that. I thank you for sharing your stories. And much like the physical objects that you brought to the conversation made the abstract notion of simplicity tangible, your stories, the initiatives that you're leading and how you describe them made the very important but sometimes very complex idea of inclusion and embracing gender equity very real for all of us. So I thank you. I thank you for your time. I thank you for your generosity of spirit. And we will be sure to keep track of your progress as you live out the commitments shared today. Thank you to my colleagues, my team. Thank you, Dublin. Have a wonderful International Women's Day. <laughs>